Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, What Will We Do With Our Freedom? It is part of our new sermon series, Questions for the Church. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. And now... I will read the scripture passage today from 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. Since then we have such a hope, we can act with great boldness, not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there since only in Christ it is set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, now we have heard your word read. May your spirit by your own power and blessing, make it the word of life to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My wife Carolyn pointed out to me this week, she said, do you remember that it was July 6th, one year ago, when you got the call to come to Westminster? She marked that day for us, and it is a day we look back on with Thanksgiving today. And one of the things I love about Westminster is I tell people that when you stand up to preach, there are two kinds of congregations. There is one sort of congregation. When you stand up to preach, they lean back to listen to what you have to say. But there's another type of congregation that I feel like Westminster is. They lean in to hear what God has to say to them on that day. It's a lot more fun to preach to a congregation that leans in. And even as we have been through a season where there was nobody leaning anywhere in the sanctuary, it is good to be together to uh, divide the word today. Today on this July 4th, I am grateful to God uh, that my family and I live in the United States of America. We enjoy freedoms that people all around the world could only dream of, and they do dream of in many corners of this world. For all of our problems and all of our strife and all of our divisions and imperfections, she remains a beacon of hope and of opportunity that people all around the world long to be a part of. I've talked to people in the coffee fields of Nicaragua and in the churches of Kenya and in the fields around Cairo in Egypt, and many of them wishing to come to America. And when I've asked them why, The answer is almost always the same, freedom. 
freedom. Now, not everyone defines freedom in, that, in the same way, but there is some concept of freedom that is at the very heart of what it means to live in these United States of America. And I thank God for the privilege of living here. Do you ever wonder why we love freedom so much? Why it seems like human hearts long for freedom, that they are, some would be more willing to die than to live without it. I grew up in the 80s in South Florida, and I knew people who had gotten on those boats from Cuba to come across the Straits to Florida for freedom. Many of their friends and family had attempted the same journey and not made it across. Why would we risk our lives for the concept of freedom? I believe that part of the truth of it is that that's how God has wired us. Part of how God put us together and created us is with a desire and maybe even a need to be able to make choices of our life without compulsion and coercion from other human powers. But in this sense, that definition of freedom can be used for either good or ill, right? If it's just meaning that we are free to do whatever it is that we like, that can be a good or it could be a detriment to ourselves and to others around us. Think of our kids. Sometimes children choose to act out or to disobey because they can, right? This morning, 535, our three-year-old Sarah comes climbing into our bed. That's a misuse of freedom. That is evil. How often do we hear people say an explanation of why they had done something? Because I can. If that's all that freedom is, I think we're missing something. Kids sometimes do things just because they can, and grown-ups do too. But that is the social and political aspect of freedom that is a hallmark of America, for better or worse. Spiritual freedom, I think, however, uh, requires a deeper reflection for us because it's at the very root of the reality that we are spiritual beings. We have a soul that God has given us, a soul that can never die, as the creeds say. Our souls are the deepest part of who we are. Illustrative of the point is that even those in political prisons talk about how they experience freedom in their prayers and in their scriptures. And our New Testament text today in 2 Corinthians seems to testify that God's own gift of freedom when he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, as if it is an attribute of God's presence. Paul was writing a passage that gets a bit technical for some folks, but he is writing about the bondage of the Old Testament Jews, that they suffered trying to obey the law, to try to keep every jot and tittle of the law, all the intricacies that had been teased out by the rabbis over the years. And they were so busy trying to obey the law that they lost the love of the one who had given them the law. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. They had missed the spirit and the freedom that comes with the spirit. Paul's word is that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
Now, in Christian sense, there's two ways or two facets to look at the opportunity of freedom, the gift that we are given. There's a freedom from and a freedom for. Freedom from, certainly, in this, there's a sense in the Exodus passage this morning that we read of being liberated from political and social oppression. Freedom that God granted in Exodus from the children of Israel in Egypt. Chains of slavery were broken. Our Old Testament reading about the Israelites under Pharaoh's law of slavery, and God said he was going to set his people free. You know, he said, you will know that I am the Lord because I'm going to set you free. So when he sent Moses to tell them this, what happened? But we read, they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and the cruel slavery. God said, I'm going to set you free. Moses comes to them and says, God is going to set you free. And they go, what? Their spirits were broken. They couldn't even conceptualize what freedom was like because for generations, all they had known was slavery in Egypt. In God's freedom, we are given a gracious rescue by the God who frees us when we cannot free ourselves from the broken spirits and the cruel slavery of this world. Let's talk about that a little bit. The children of Israel who were in Egypt as slaves under Pharaoh needed help. They needed rescue from that captivity. But at an even deeper level, they needed to be rescued from their spirits that had been crushed by oppression, by tyranny. As they lived under the oppressive regime, their spirits had been crushed such that they could not even believe, they could not even know what freedom was possible. So in the midst of this paralysis of spirit and body, when they couldn't do anything for themselves, Moses didn't know what to do either, but God did. God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, I'm going to set my people free. And that's what God did. That's grace. That is sovereign grace from God to set his people free and to give them the gift of freedom. Giving freedom to souls that had literally been crushed under the weight of life. And they could not even imagine what freedom was like. God showed them. Now the analogy for many of us is that we bear chains from our past. We bear chains from our past, the bondage of abuse and addiction that is rampant in our nation and in our world and in our community. The slavery of trying to live up to the expectations that someone else has for our lives. I had a dear saint in one of my other churches. She was in her 70s. She came to meet with me once and she said, you know, when I was a little girl, my mother told me that I was so bad that God could never love me. Over 70 years of bondage is what she had experienced. Is that the word of the Lord? The liberating grace that we understand that God not only loves us, but he sets us free. She received that as we had a service at that church called a renewal of baptism service. 
And as she heard the words, you are the beloved child of God, she wept, understanding that she had been set free from those chains that had bound her for more than 70 years. We are freed from, even if we bear the scars of those memories and of those past, we are freed from the chains. There's another facet of freedom from God that he gives us in the Christian life, and that is freedom from the chains of sin. Our self-absorbed tendency to put our interests above everyone and everything else in life. We talk about the reality of sin in our lives, and we use the term original sin because we're born with it. It's how we're wired. It's because of the fall that we look for ourselves and our own self-interest first, rather than the love of God in our neighbors. Look at the very first case in the Bible of Adam and Eve. God created them perfectly free, giving only one rule, and they couldn't keep one. They ate of that very tree. But the freedom of God in Christ liberates us from that need to put ourselves first. It liberates us for the purpose of obedience to God and of loving our neighbors. But we'll get to that in a minute. Finally, as Paul writes throughout the New Testament, we are freed from the law that kills the life of God within us. Right there in 2 Corinthians, he says it about how the law eats us up in so many ways and ate up those people in the Old Testament. We are freed from trying to earn our salvation by being good little boys and good little girls, right? We spend our lives sometimes trying to accumulate the check marks on the good side of our report cards or to at least minimize the negative marks on our report card, hoping that at the end of our life, when we stand before the judge, there will be more pluses than minuses. That's slavery. That is bondage to expectations that God doesn't put on us. In fact, quite the opposite with Jesus Christ. Instead of trying to be good enough to merit God's affection, instead of trying to be good enough to merit eternal life with God in heaven, we receive by God's grace what only Jesus could do and what we could only receive as a gift and not as our achievement. In Christ, that mindset is absolutely reversed from the slavery to trying to be good enough to receiving the gift of life in Christ as free. We receive it because of the power of Christ. He's the one who breaks the power of reigning sin and sets the prisoner free as we sing in the hymn. So God gives us this freedom from, freedom from our broken spirits. The gift of Christ is freedom from our sin, freedom from trying to be good enough. But the question that then comes to us in the spirit of the great William Wallace, what will we do with that freedom? What will we do with the liberation that God gives us? 
That to me is the fundamental question facing our nation today and us individually as Christians and as the family of God. What will we do with the freedom that God has given us? Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a man who professed communism until he himself was interred into the gulags of the Soviet Union and he came face to face with the human terror, brutality and misery that the communist system brutally embraced and exercised. When he was finally released from prison, he was exiled to the West. And one of his most famous addresses was a commencement address at Harvard in 1978. I commend it to you. Ironically, on July 4th, I commend to you a Russian uh, and the commencement address he gave at Harvard. In what was expected to be a, a scathing critique of communism and the Soviet Union, which it was in some measure, it was also a critique of the societies of America and Europe and the limitless freedoms of the West that they had embraced. The embrace of these so-called freedoms had actually caused them, he said, to lose their spirituality and by that their courage. The enthusiasm for rights and freedoms, he said, had abandoned any sense of obligation and responsibility that accompanies the freedom that God has given us. Indeed, Solzhenitsyn contended that the West had embraced a philosophy of materialism that teaches that the highest purpose of human life is to make oneself happy, accumulating material good and possessing some self-defined sense of physical well-being. And in that view, he wrote this, he said this, freedom does not in the least solve all the problems of human life in that definition. And it even adds a number of new ones. He continues, if humanism were right in declaring that man is born only to be happy, he would not be born to die. Since his body is doomed to die, his task on earth evidently must be of a more spiritual nature. It cannot simply be unrestrained enjoyment of everyday life. It cannot be the search for the best ways to obtain material goods and then to cheerfully accumulate the most of them. It has to be the fulfillment of a permanent, earnest duty so that one's life journey may be an experience of moral growth, so that one may leave life a better human being than one started it. What will we do with the freedom that God has given us? What Solzhenitsyn is saying is that if all freedom means is doing what we think will make us happy in life, then that freedom is not even a good thing, for it will lead inevitably to our destruction. The notion of freedom has certainly run amok in our own society with definitions streaming all over the spectrum. They have led people to justify everything in life, from our splintered families to economic exploitation of others in an educational system that's failed so many. What will we do with the freedom God gives us? There is a freedom for in the Christian life. Freedom to love God with everything that we are, heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
Freedom to love our neighbor, to truly and sacrificially love our neighbors as Christ has loved us. Without fear and with courage for what we must do as an obligation and responsibility of freedom that we have received. Nelson Mandela said, to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that it respects and enhances the freedom of others. That's true of our life politic together as Americans, that there's an inherent responsibility that we have not only to embrace our own freedom, but to enhance the freedom of others as well. And so that is what we do as Christians too. The freedom that we have received in Jesus Christ, the freedom from the, the pain of our sin and our past and our expectations, we are to use that freedom to so liberate others as well. May we be those people who receive the freedom of God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit and enhance the freedom of others with it. Let us pray. So God, we do thank you today for the gift of freedom. I pray for those today, Lord, who need to receive that. For those who have been carrying the chains, who have been sitting in a prison, of a past they cannot change. I pray that your spirit would minister to them today and liberate them. And for us too, God, I pray that you would come and that you would not allow us to remain satisfied with being freed ourselves, but that we would indeed become those who respect and enhance the freedom of others as well who bring them to the one who has set us free above all else, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.